0: Hello and welcome to Epochs. I and I am here with History Bro, who of course is always here on Epochs. And I'm very excited to be talking about the Waco siege because I've I've seen bits and pieces about it. I've seen sort of libertarian types claiming it's some sort of government overreach, but there's a bit more nuance to it than that from what you've you've told me. I don't really know too much about it other than, you know, where it happened, Waco, Texas and roughly who was involved. But I don't know any of the details whatsoever. So I'm interested to find out the actual truth of the situation.
1: Well, that might be difficult to get to. It's one of those things where both sides make counterclaims. And I'm going to try and be as fair as I possibly can on this. Um, Because both sides seem to be at fault. Both Both sides seem to be lying at various points. And different people, depending on your sort of political persuasion, have got a different view on it so I'm going to try as best possible to get to the truth having said that that's not going to be possible I do have my own views you know of course Uh, so but I'm going to try to be as fair-minded as I can on it um so it's one of it's one of the epochs I think it's one of the most up-to-date ones it's 1993 this happened in February and March 1993 it's a siege that lasted for 51 days the longest siege in modern American history um now I love a siege, as a history nerd, love a good siege, me, because um, they're, they're nearly always extreme, a siege. You nearly always get to sort of, um, to the bottom of sort of the most extreme depths that humans go to at sieges. So from, from like the siege of Lachish I did with Carl not too long ago in the ancient Assyrian world, one of the first recorded sieges, uh, the siege of Masada, well there's just endless sieges throughout history. <laughs> You know, the siege of Stalingrad and Leningrad in World War II. Uh, sort of endlessly fascinated by those, I am. Um, the Sydney Street siege, the Iranian embassy siege. You know that one? Where the SAS <laughs> mm. blew up that balcony. and I mean, anyway,
0: I know lots of sieges, but you, you really are reeling them off there. Yeah, yeah there's loads
1: of sieges. So anyway, <laughs> the Waco siege is particularly interesting to me. Because um, like I said, just to reiterate, I don't have a dog in this fight. You know, I'm not a Christian, certainly not a Seventh-day Adventist, Branch Davidian Christian, and um, I don't particularly um, care for, I'm not a partisan for the ATF or the FBI or Janet Reno, the Attorney General at the time. So, you know, I've, I've got nothing to win or lose. I just really, I'm just really interested. There's a few things in history that I'm sort of weirdly fascinated by. The Chernobyl incident, for example. Anything about it, any documentary, I will have watched. Anyway, you... Waco is one of those ones. Because I remember it as a kid. I was like, what, 11 or 12 years old? And I definitely remember, fairly clearly, it being on TV. Because um, the whole world watched this play out. The whole world. I don't uh,
0: think um, it happened before I was born, I think.
1: it's 1993.
0: When are you born? 95. Right, there you go. There we go. Just outed myself as a youngster.
1: And there was um, an invest- like a full sort of congressional level or state level, um, Senate level uh, um, investigation later in 1995. Um, in fact, Chuck Schumer, a much younger oh, yeah. Chuck Schumer, uh, was chair of that, I believe. He was certainly involved in it. And Joe Biden as well. Uh, again, a much, much younger Joe Biden. <laughs> they've, they've been around for a long years time, haven't they? Now, yeah, 30 years ago. Ah. <sighs> Anyway, it's a fascinating <laughs> story, I think, because um, it touches on loads of different things. Or Just to give people an overview, you might not have ever have heard of it. Um, there's a Christian compound, and um, the authorities, there's a massive shootout there, and then a siege, a standoff, 51 days. And then in the end, the, the authorities, the FBI, it was a, a bloody massacre at the end, like a hor- horrific ending to it. I won't spoil it entirely. Uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, but so, so that's what it was. And so from one side of the argument, it's like just the authorities, the police, the government, the FBI are just, um, they're killers, murderers. It was all their fault, really. All the bloodshed was all their fault.
0: I think people who have that perspective, they're looking at it from the point of view of it was the ATF that originally wanted to search the property because they had reports that there were unlicensed firearms. Yeah. And so I think lots of those anti-governmental people yeah. are people who would be like, yeah, the, the Second Amendment means I don't need government approval to have a gun because mm. you, you know, the whole point of the Second Amendment is that you're meant to use them against the government if they're <laughs> acting tyrannical. Right. So there's, I mean, that strain of argument uh, yeah, has sense, uh, but it, it wouldn't probably be the case I would use to... Well, we'll get to, to that, that when
1: that. we come to the actual shootout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one side of the argument says that is that the, the Branch Davidians, the Christians, up there at Mount Carmel, just outside Waco, Texas, which is about halfway between Austin and Houston, um, they, they didn't do nothing wrong. And the authorities basically killed them, including loads of kids, loads of kids died in this. Um, and the other side uh, say, no, they showed incredible restraint and all the aggression came from the Branch Davidians um, and they basically, they basically got themselves killed and at the very end they set themselves alight um, and the authorities within, within, more or less, didn't do anything wrong. So they're the two extremes you could take on this. Just to say my opinion, because I have, obviously do have an opinion, I think both sides uh, made terrible, terrible mistakes. There's one quote from, um, from the later investigation one of the people sitting on the board, um, he said, everybody who touched the ball at Waco fumbled it. I think that's quite a good quote. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's sort of, that's true. I mean, even from my limited
0: knowledge, I think, yeah, everyone who went into that situation, I don't think a massacre was necessarily what they wanted. Well, I mean, I I can't necessarily speak for the ATF, but, I would imagine, just as a best guess, that they would have probably preferred a cleaner resolution than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly the kids. From the from the Branch Davidian side, their, their children were their sort of most precious thing. And uh, from the FBI side, yeah, I totally believe they genuinely, because it's what they were just constantly saying the whole time and after, were trying to resolve it without the kids being killed even at the very end and I'll get to details at the end of they just expected the people just to come out they didn't expect them to martyr themselves or allow their children to be burnt to death mm. but so we'll get into how it all happened um so first of all just want to talk about the branch davidians a little bit give a bit of a background to them so they're a, a, a christian sect um and so they're they're Protestant, obviously not Catholic, and then within Protestantism, they're sort of Adventists. Um, And Adventists believe, uh, well, all Christians believe, that Christ will return to earth, the second coming of Christ. Um, But Adventists believe that that event will happen imminently, or very soon, or any day even. Christ will return sort of any day.
0: I remember um, hearing throughout the years, lots of different groups having different predictions based on some very strange analysis of parts of the Bible, like counting chapters and page lengths and all sorts of weird things that you would think are just quirks of the English translation of the Bible. So why would that matter? But there there we go.
1: Yeah, um, because some Christians... Say, oh no, that's, pr- like, that's just a, a, a metaphor for something else. It's not necessarily that rapture, the return of Christ, is sort of imminent or anything. But lots of Christians do think it could happen or is going to happen in their lifetimes and things. I mean, Christ himself uh, in the Bible, if, you've, if you ever read the Gospels, does say that the end times are coming in their lifetime. I've heard Christ described as a, an apocalyptic. Rogue rabbi, that's not really exactly <laughs> a great description, but nevertheless, it makes he that, did that preach. sounds
0: like um, some sort of action movie remake of Jesus's life. <laughs> Pla- Jesus, as played by Sylvester Stallone,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy Christ, the end days are coming. Um, yeah, so, um, the Adventists, um, believe and Seventh day Adventists are a type, uh, they, they, Seventh day Adventists, um. Uh, they they put a great deal of importance on the Sabbath, Saturday, uh, just like Hebrews, that you don't really do anything on Saturday. You and don't that,
0: roll on Shabbos. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so um, the Branch Davidians are a sort of a, a, a branch off of Seventh-day Adventists, and they Again, have a very sort of literal interpretation of the Bible They think that what the Bible says is literally, exactly true That's one of their things Again, different types of Christians put more or less emphasis on that Like a Church of England, <clears throat> a person who's um, in the Church of England, an Anglican Would uh, say, no, most of it isn't meant to be taken literally, exactly true It's It's all sort of allegory and well, literally at, in at the minute they're
0: going to throw the bible over their shoulder right. and say here's white fragility you'll yeah. prefer that
1: yeah 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 uh, but seventh day adventists and certainly branch davidians think that whatever said in the bible particularly the book of revelations which is the last book is literally true now don't want to get too judgy but to my mind that's mental <laughs>
0: That's mental. Have you ever
1: read Revelations?
0: No, I haven't um, Okay
1: uh, The Bible is a fascinating book it's, <laughs> it's weird to me But it's fascinating So you've got the scriptures, the Old Testament and, um, they're, they're, they're interesting stories Then you've got the, the Gospels the, 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 the four books that tell the story of the life of Jesus Then at the end you've got the book of Revelations There's other bits and bobs in it as well but at the very end, you've got the book of Revelations, and um, it's bizarre. I don't mind saying that. It's a bizarre read. I've read it a few times. In fact, I reread it two or three months ago. Um, when I was talking to Connor about it. Um, Revelations is a weird thing. Like It almo- it sort of barely makes sense. Uh, just to give an overview of it, it's, it talks about the end. Because when, when the Messiah, when Jesus returns to earth, um, that is the end of days. <laughs> that is, um, that there'll be some sort of giant battle, an apocalypse, an Armageddon. Um, and the, what it describes is uh, loads and loads of crazy stuff. Like the, the sun turns black, the moon turns blood red, the seas boil off, or some of the, the seas and the the rivers turn to blood and some boil off and then a uh, third of the people die like this and then the rest of the people die like this. and um, there'll be the four horsemen of, of the apocalypse, a lamb that looks like he's slaughtered will come back but it's actually the lamb of God and there'll be an antichrist on a horse wearing white with a bow and arrow. It just goes on. There'll be a plague of locusts, giant man-sized locusts, depending on your translation you read. It just goes on and on and on. It's like a, to me, it's like the babblings of an insane person, uh, of there's, there's a superstitious crazed <laughs> babble of nonsense well, nearly. Uh, that's what revelations is to um, me.
0: I, I feel a bit facetious doing this, but surely if a supreme being is bringing wrath upon planet Earth, he wouldn't really need to turn the rivers red with blood if he's sending man sized locusts and killing lots of people. It's kind of a, a bit of a redundant move, which makes me think that, yeah, maybe this doesn't seem like a coherent genocide strategy, God. So maybe this is made up by a person.
1: I don't think I'm going out on too much for a limb to say that the book of Revelations is not coherent. <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on and on as well. Um, there's loads of different things that will happen. All the bodies will rise from the ground that have been buried, all of them, um, and there'll be armies of the damned. Um, they'll all converge on Jerusalem, at one point it says. All the mountains will be levelled or raised up out of the ground and then levelled. Uh, 144,000 Jews will be saved, just de rigueur. Um, uh, <laughs> so God yeah, has an that,
0: affirmative action policy, apparently. All right.
1: Those that are, have been pure and, and been good, good Christians, um, they'll be judged and, um, and they'll be sort of saved, or their souls will be saved. Uh, the kingdom of heaven will quite literally physically come down to earth. Uh, oh, the sky will roll back like a scroll. Um, oh, yeah. It just goes on and on and on like that. Um, anyway. Oh, so Seventh day Adventists and well, Branch Davidians anyway, believe that all of that is literally true, exactly true, and could would happen at any moment. So the Branch Davidians go back to like the 1930s. Um, so yeah, obviously long before their leader in this story, David Koresh, real name Vernon Howell, um Long before he was born, didn't realise it
0: was a pseudonym. Why would he
1: he choose that name? Because he's a little bit unhinged. He chose the name. I'll quickly say he chose the name David Koresh because David after King David, Mm -hmm. and Koresh, which is the Hebrew word for Cyrus, i.e., Cyrus the Great, Cyrus the First of Persia, the the King of Kings. Okay. So not that he's got a bit of an ego on him or anything, (laughs) but King David and Cyrus, King of Kings, David Koresh. That's where he picked that name. So. He had he had some sort of, if nothing else, some sort of crazy crazy ego, god complex one might say. Yeah, yeah. He never actually people said that he thought he was the second coming of Christ. He didn't exactly. He thought he was a Christ. He thought he was a Messiah, not Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't. Think, he didn't say he was Jesus of Nazareth. He just said he was a prophet. He was I'm a trying Messiah. really hard That's not to quote says.
0: Life of Brian. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a sinful messiah. That's one of the things he called himself. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> he didn't deny it. He was a very naughty boy. Anyway, Vernon <laughs> Howell, their leader, long before he was born, there was the Branch Davidian set up in the 30s. And at one point in the 50s, they said, oh, the the uh, rapture, the end of days, is coming. The armies of Babylon, the evil, the evil armies of Babylon are going to come and uh, it was going to be the end of the days. At some specific day in spring in one of the Early fifties at some point, they said that. So and then it just, didn't happen, obviously, mm-hmm. and loads of people left their sect because. But
0: what would of that. what would the armies of Babylon actually look like? Some sort of, because Babylon obviously A couple is, of
1: truckloads of ATF agents. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I'm being facetious and getting ahead of myself. So go on, go on. But yeah, yeah. what would it look like?
0: Yeah, Babylon was obviously a real place, wasn't it? In the yeah. sort of southern Iraq, yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They basically were preempting the Iraq War. I don't
1: know. <laughs> no, uh, I think they do—they did say that you know it's not l- actually the armies of the actual place of Babylon. It's just like oh, so
0: they do understand metaphor. Uh, it's just right. selectively. So yeah, yeah. But when when the literal translation can't possibly make sense because the, the the kingdom of Babylon no longer exists. I was ah oh, well, you know it's it's a metaphor, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> At some point in the fifties, they thought that um, that the the end of days was coming, and when it was shown not to have happened, lots of people left the sect. But it didn't die out; it continued on, um, and uh, it continued on under a particular family, the Roden family. Um, now, and they had their little. They're originally from Southern California somewhere, but they'd moved to Texas, just outside Waco, Texas, a little place that they called Mount Carmel. Now, again, that's taken from an actual place in Israel.
0: I I thought as much, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, So you don't really get places around that sort of way called Mount something, do you?
1: Mm. It is on a little rise of land, but it's not a a mount in any sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Making a a mountain out of probably a Mm molehill
1: there. Yeah, so Mount Carmel is in Israel. Um, It's like Haifa. Um, is there? So there's loads of things when you're a sort of a very very hardline Christian in all sorts of ways. Your beliefs and your theologies cross over with the the Jews in all sorts of ways, like the idea of observing the Sabbath very strictly, or even eating kosher food. Some evangelicals and some um, uh, Adventists mm-hmm. will even go that far. Um, I've
0: heard people say that they do it just to be safe, just like well. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like Pascal's wager of culinary um, <laughs> theology or something like that. I don't know.
1: There's a joke in The Simpsons where um, um, uh, Flanders says that joke, but that but it's not really a joke. A lot it's of not, some yeah. Christians uh, actually thing. like that. Um, so yeah, there's loads of uh, there's loads of allusions to to the things that things are, that are in Israel. Um, like for example, that the end of days will come and the big final battle and things will be at, at Jerusalem. Um, you know, if you venerate places like Galilee and Nazareth and Bethlehem, they're all in Israel. Um,
0: well, I mean, it, it is very true that the, the story of Christianity is very much wrapped up in in that area. Obviously, I mean, it's <laughs> not exactly <laughs> much of a, a revelation, if you pardon the pun.
1: Yeah, the gardens of Gethsemane. There's endless sites in and around Jerusalem that are extremely venerated by Christians. Well, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The, the most sacred place in Christendom, you could argue, is um, in Jerusalem. David Kresh himself went to Jerusalem in the late 80s, mid 80s, late 80s, on some sort of pilgrimage or just some sort of uh, study holiday. I don't uh, think it'd
0: be my number one destination for a holiday anywhere where I need, you know, a flak jacket, maybe a bulletproof yeah. vest is right at the bottom of my list of places I want to go. Yeah. I'm I'm sure it's probably safe in many places. I'm being I'd, a bit facetious.
1: I'd quite like to visit Jerusalem, again, just for the history nerd side of mm. my personality. But I've got no real intention of doing it. Like, no thanks. I think I'll just go somewhere nice.
0: I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like the
1: Seychelles or something. I Somewhere, somewhere pleasant I'm going listed. to
0: Prague. I know I'm not going, well, I might get, Stabbed or blown up or whatever <laughs> Don't know um, what the Islamic population There is like
1: But one other thing to say about Revelations Because it's really important for The, the Branch Davidians and David Koresh Particularly David Koresh Is that in Revelations One of its uh, One of its sort of Babbling nonsense One of the things it talks about <laughs> Is um, the, the, When it describes the actual judgments of God uh, that there'll be seven seals, there'll be a giant scroll comes out of the sky with seven seals on it and uh, and uh, someone worthy, a messiah figure um, will be the only person able to take off these seals one at a time as he takes these seals off one at a time a little bit more of the scroll is revealed which gives a judgement like all these certain people will now be killed or judged and then the next seal comes off and then there'll be a plague of sores Then the next one comes off, and then all the rivers will turn to and so So on. So, they're going to
0: be like a a sort of announcer for God,
1: in in a sense. Yeah. (laughs) So, there's the seven seals, and after that, there's the seven swords, and after that, there's the seven bowls or vials of judgment. It's just contemptible nonsense to my mind. Anyway, they believed
0: it's all real. uh, It's like a cult version of um, what is it? Is it Seven Days of Christmas? That song where it lists off all of the different things, all the different gifts.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I um, might
0: be misremembering the name of that.
1: Um, Twelve Days of Christmas. That's it. Uh, um, what did I? What did I say? Seven. Seven. Uh, it's because of seven, the yeah the seven seals. But so David Koresh was, on some level, obsessed with the seven seven seals. Now, it is a bit enigmatic exactly. What is meant? Uh, like you could re- you could interpret the words in Revelations a few different re- ways if you wanted to. You know, when you translate it into English, it's possible that there can totally possible that there can be discrepancies in the translation, and it might mean something quite different if you translate it a little bit differently. And you could certainly say, well, this line, even if we agree what the line in English is, it actually means this. Right. Mm. So that's, how you, that's how you get preachers. Is that this is my interpretation of what the Bible says? Anyway, <clears throat> David Koresh was sort of on some level obsessed with the seven seals in the book of Revelations, that he knew what they really meant. And if you join his church, if you join his ministry, he can explain to you what it means. And, and it's really, really important because, you know, the end, the, the end of days, Armageddon, the rapture is coming. And he, like possibly any day. So it's really important that you know and that he can reveal it to you, the revealed truth. Um, So that's key to this all, is the seven seals and and Koresh's analysis of what they really are, what they mean.
0: What was his analysis or do we not Uh, know?
1: You might be surprised that he didn't really ever properly reveal it.
0: Oh, right. Somewhat um, convenient, isn't it?
1: he said he was going to write a big long treatise about it and didn't get round to it
0: well to be fair i mean did have a bit of a, an interruption
1: <laughs> yeah well well we'll get to exactly how all that played out all right so uh let's talk a little bit about his his early life so he was um he was his mother was uh, had him when she was really young i think she was like 15 or 16 her name's bonnie um, uh, I would say she... Lots of people in this story, I'm going to say, I think are mentally retarded. <laughs> and I use that word technically, literally, not just to be rude. I think they are sort of functioning retards. <laughs> um, you know, again, and not like, just to, like not just to be Like they've got some rude. sort
0: of learning disability or yeah, yeah. sort of low... Functioning IQ, that yeah, sort of thing,
1: something like that. People where they're not able to pass reality correctly.
0: <laughs> they're uh, not. They're not making mm-hmm. good
1: decisions. They're mm-hmm. not. There's. They're, they're saying things that are, to my mind, to most people's minds, actually, a bit mad.
0: I, I do find that these sort of cult sects of of Christianity, not general Christianity. I'm sure people at home who are, are Christians probably don't agree with brainwashing mentally ill people, uh, <laughs> but um, lots of them target vulnerable people, don't they? And deliberately so, because they, they just want numbers. It doesn't necessarily matter about the, the people who are joining. They kind of want to flesh it out because it looks bad if there aren't that many people interested and they're easy people to get on side because they, they're not very credulous in the first place.
1: I think that's the word, actually. I think that's the thing, credulity. How easily led you are, how easily you believe something without any evidence to be credulous. A lot of these people are unbelievably credulous, childlike, actually, in their mind. So, like, his, his David Christie's mother, Bonnie, is one of those. I saw her in an interview after, long after, just saying, just like saying with a straight face, oh, I think David will be resurrected and I'll see all my grandchildren again. Big big smile. It's like, so you've got the levels of credulity of a small child. You're so, you must be sort of clinically retarded on some level, like not enough to be put in a hospital or be, have a, put a crash helmet on you and a straitjacket in a padded room, but not far off of that in my mind. I mean, it's, it's weird. We have a lot of people that follow cult. Not all of them though, and thats re- that's really interesting to me, not all of them at all, but most of them are just extremely credulous. I found that
0: um, some I, I remember watching um, a, a Louis Feru documentary about the Westboro Baptist Church, and now I, I probably might not be fair to call them a cult necessarily rather than a, a branch of Christianity, although they did have that that central figure, but in lots of other areas opposed um, as opposed to their sort of quite niche views i don't i mean i don't know how niche they are i'm not exactly a, a christian scholar but at least from the outside what looks like quite niche extreme views but then they'd also be interpersonally completely indistinguishable from normal people right like they, they seemed very very normal and i get the impression that with with this that might not be necessarily the case they're not necessarily aiming for a well adjusted life like many other Christians are in that they're thinking long term living a good life because they don't think the world's going to end and I think that that's the integral aspect of it if you believe the world's going to end and that nothing matters well you're not really going to plan that far for the future obviously
1: yeah have no thought for the morrow Um, Mm. it's interesting though because a lot of people like the Sheriff and other people that weren't in the Branch Davidians that lived in around Mount Carmel and Waco that knew these people they said unanimously and I completely believe them they say they were all really lovely, polite, normal people. Essentially, oh really? they were oh, all right. like uh, they're all very well mannered. Well, I mean, um, I'm not
0: surprised about being well mannered and right. stuff like that. I mean, Christian people always tend to be, don't they?
1: They weren't like firebrands that were trying to convert anyone. They weren't, you know, they weren't. They, they were essentially good people, just credulous. And uh, but the other thing to point out is um, that not all of them. Some of them were. Um, did kick back against Haresh's teachings and leave. And like one guy was a Harvard educated lawyer, who's just also been brought up in the Aventist tradition. And so it's interesting to me, really interesting, how you can get someone that on one level is highly, highly intelligent, certainly got a very high IQ, highly capable and intelligent and not really credulous, apart from this one thing, Mm -hmm. right? So you can be a Harvard educated lawyer, but still believe that rapture will, will be any day.
0: I mean crazy, being isn't a, it? I'm a not lawyer crazy.
1: it's just interesting to me.
0: I think lawyers are kind of up there in the professions of the most um incredulous. Like mm. they kind of believe in mm. nothing but mm. making money, right? <laughs> that's kind of the the whole stereotype of them is
1: It's funny how you can have someone that's like a physicist, an experimental physicist, but's also a Hindu. Mm, right? who also, if you ask them, they would genuinely say, no, I believe in Ganesha and stuff. Uh, but I know, mm. but... To be fair, a, a particle of, um, physicist. It's mm. like how people can have that cognitive dissonance in their minds. Lots of people can. Um, um,
0: okay. I, I've heard oh. Christian academics speak before, actually, in person. And uh, quite often they'll characterize it as, well, uh, of course I'm doing this because, you know, I'm studying... The, the world of God, I, you know, it's, I see it as my divine duty. And and so they kind of couch it as, well, I would kind of be doing a disservice to, to Christianity if I didn't do this. So I, I kind of respect that in a, a sense, so, you know, they've yeah, got yeah. a reason to understand the world and I think it's a quite a noble reason to, to spread understanding. So that's a good thing. A lot There's of the
1: a logic to that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. To watch the full video, please become a Premium Member at LotusEaters.com